everybody. This is the Never Heard of a Podcast. This is Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have slipped through our cracks. And I'm joined again today by the one, the only Brian Crane. Brian, say hello, sir. How are you? Uh, hi, Sean. It's me, Brian Crane. This doesn't. Be- this doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't sound like Brian. I'll be honest. It's yeah. It's Craig. Oh my uh, god. That was my Brian Crane impersonation, <laughs> which I know is bulletproof. Man, where where, yeah. where were you? Like, what happened? Uh, well, I, I had a little job to take care of in the, in the jungles of, uh, South America. I can't really really go into specifics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how Predator started. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the world's going to be a better place from here on out. (laughs) Yeah, man. I came back. The the chair was, was warm. There were two, two butt prints in it about crane sized. Did it smell recently farted upon? It sounded absolutely, okay. absolutely the freshest, most recent farts. Crop us in that. Oof. Yeah, man. No, I wanted to say, uh, you know, a, a thank you to Brian Crane for stepping in. And I thought you guys did awesome jobs with like the movies you picked and just talking about them. I enjoy listening to those a lot. Do you feel any pressure now to step up your pronunciation of Chinese names? Oh, I absolutely do. I could tell that Brian was practicing outside of the podcast i could imagine him sort of standing in front of a mirror and enunciating over and over again and uh i mean let's look, look at those numbers i mean the numbers speak for themselves sean <laughs> yes they do you know what i mean so awesome well it's great to have you back thanks brian would you like to tell people where they can find us online and then we'll jump into today's tea uh, absolutely i hope i remember so <laughs> so here's the deal you can find us at our website. We have a website, neverheardpodcast.com, where you can find every episode we've ever done. Listen to them for free. Hmm. You can uh, read posts about the uh, movies that we've talked about when we do the full-length talks. You can also find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on... Uh, how else can they find us, Sean? Oh, man. Spotify. Spotify, of course. Facebook. Facebook, yeah, Facebook is still a, a, it's still around. And when it goes away, just remember that you know we'll be on <laughs> iTunes. Yeah. If you are so moved, please leave a, a review, and that that helps uh, people find us. You know. Hey Craig, do you remember when we talked about a little movie called The Harder They Come? I do. Little Jamaica movie, man. Yeah, that was terrible. Sorry. Yeah. That's uh, okay. I have not clearly practiced in front of the mirror. Mm, no. I mentioned this earlier that they were, Shout Factory was coming out with a special edition of this movie. Yeah. And it's happening this month, August 20th. Not one, not two, three disc, three disc special Whoa. edition of The Harder They Come. I, I'm stunned, Craig, a little bit, I gotta say. What's filling up those discs? Well, they've got various commentaries. They've got an interview with none other than Ridley Scott about his appreciation of this movie, which I found interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then also, I know we're not supposed to do this. Oh. I want to recommend a podcast on Spotify, and it's exclusively on Spotify, but you do not have to be a paying member to listen to it called, just like you don't have to be a paying member to listen to our podcast that's right called stay free which is the story of the clash and we mentioned in the episode that you know they name dropped that movie in the song guns of brixton and it got mentioned like six times in that podcast i felt like it was a great podcast really good story chuck d narrates does a great job oh wow yeah i mean they were real fans (laughs) of that movie so I don't know. Just hearing it about it, I was like, man, maybe I maybe gotta I gotta rent this three disc thing and just dive into this. I'm kind of curious about it. But anyway, that's that. That, man, that sounds nuts. 
Well, we went to China last month, as you well know, and talked about I Am Not Madame Bovary and Animal World, and we're coming back to the lonely shores of America. This month, you suggested we talk about a Humphrey Bogart movie from 1950 that I'm going to admit I had heard of, but had always wanted to see and never come close to watching it. I'm super excited to check it out. It is called In a Lonely Place. It is from 1950. Do you want to tell us first why you picked it? kind of the same thing I, I recently seen it around on the criterion channel and stuff like that and uh and i was just really in the mood for it i love humphrey bogart i love his co-star uh, gloria graham and mm-hmm. i was uh, just seemed like uh, the right thing to do nicholas ray oh, anyway we'll get into that in a second but yeah just seemed like a good choice awesome sauce i'm glad you did okay here's a synopsis from imdb a potentially violent screenwriter why's it gotta be a screenwriter you know well i mean this is your life story isn't it yeah, it might be is a murder suspect until his lovely neighbor clears him, but she begins to have doubts. Did you see Mr. Steele last night? Yes, as I came home, I saw him going to his apartment with a girl. That girl was murdered between one and two o'clock this morning. I can already tell, like, this is going to be a moral story. Don't clear your neighbors from murder. Yeah. Ever. A common mistake. It's always the guy next door, right? I think that's pretty much why they, uh, why they have people next door. Is <laughs> that they're, they're killers. Yes. Okay, Craig, yeah. who made this? Who else is in it beside the two people you mentioned? Oh, man, Sean, get ready for this. Mm. So this movie is directed by Nicholas Ray, as I was saying. Now, Nicholas Ray, you'll remember from directing such movies as... Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, yeah. Bigger Than Life, which is one of my favorite movies that I feel like people don't really talk about that well, much. Well, I don't know. What is this movie? I don't know this movie. Bigger Than Life. Uh, what was it? 55? Or maybe it's beyond that. But um, it's James Mason. He plays this school teacher who develops this this like uh, problem with his... Uh, how is it? Like an autoimmune disorder that, that like causes a lot of pain. And, and he gets hooked on this drug that they use to help him overcome it and the the drug like just starts Jesus starts losing his mind i love it i'm sold okay it's crazy and it's like beautiful it's like uh you know just super like technicolor paints just like dripping off your screen it's good time for a junkie movie okay yes yeah directed uh, as i said by nicholas ray who directed also johnny guitar and we did an episode on Johnny Guitar. That's right. I didn't even back think in, about uh, that. Back in season okay. two. Yeah, yeah we did uh, episodes 13 and 14, actually, of season two, if you want to go back and check out Johnny Guitar. Oh, that was a good one, yeah. Yeah. This guy's been really all over the map, genre-wise, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies written by Andrew Solt, who also wrote 1949's Little Women. Also wrote a movie called The Lusty Men. Do you think he called himself the salt of the earth? Most likely that was a joke <laughs> he made at like I every... Christmas gathering. <laughs> okay, anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah. Edmund H. North uh, was credited with the adaptation, which I, didn't, I wasn't really clear on that. Andrew Salt wrote the screenplay. He was credited with the adaptation. Maybe there was a something written before the screenplay. I, I might have some info on that. Okay. He also, he wrote uh, Patton and The Day the Earth Stood Still. Huh. So he's, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And then Dorothy B. Hughes. Now, she was a novelist, but 
this isn't from a novel, and I think she's the one who developed the story for it. Jeez Louise. And then Edmund adapted it, and then they had to bring old salt of the earth in to just <laughs> polish it to a fine sheen. Mm. Now, the movie was produced by Henry S. Kessler. Uh, he directed a lot of TV shows like Highway Patrol and The the Rough Riders, if you know what I mean. Uh, okay, yeah. No? That's fine. Yeah. All right. Then there's uh, Robert Lord, who was a producer on it. Now, he had 44 producing credits between 1932 and 1951, which I think that's a lot of Yeah. It's a lot of movies. I was kind of interested to find out, you know, like, what was the life of a producer back then? Like, are you elbow deep in all these movies or are you kind of stand back from them? I, I, I don't know. You just don't sleep. You, you really can't sleep. Uh, but he also produced other movies such as Confessions of a Nazi Spy, which I, sounds uh, exciting, and uh, 20,000 Years in Sing Sing. Wow, that's a long, that's a long jail sentence. <laughs> right, that is. That's got to be one of the longest ones. I mean, what did you do to earn that sentence? Jesus. You did. You definitely did the worst thing. <laughs> okay. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, music is by George Anthel, who also did the music for The Fighting Kentuckian. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And another movie called The Young Don't Cry. Well, that's a lie. I can tell you that as a parent of a six-year-old, right? That's that's how I felt, yeah. But maybe that's the point. It's just mm-hmm. sort of ironic. It's about a, a parent who's really in over their head. <laughs> uh, we got a cinematographer by the name of Burnett Guffey, and I love that name. That's a good one. Burnett shot Bonnie and Clyde. And uh, also a movie called Eve Knew Her Apples. Wait, so Burnett is what you're saying? Burnett Guffey. Is that a, is that, that can't be a woman. There's no way they had a woman cinematographer in 1950, right? I would be very surprised if this was a woman. Okay. I'm going to do some research on the side while you continue. Yeah, go for it. Editing by Viola Lawrence, woman. Yeah. She edited Pal Joey and The Lady from Shanghai. Lady from Shanghai, I believe, is an Orson Welles movie. Regardless, everybody check those two out along with this movie. Now, the movie is starring Humphrey Bogart. He plays character Dixon Steele. That's a real screenwriter type name, oh, Dixon great, Steele. Yeah, noir name. Now, Humphrey Bogart, you might have seen in such movies as 1942's Casablanca. Hey, finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The African Queen, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, yep. which I've also never seen. Oh, really? Okay. I know, I know. I feel like that's one of those. I, I, I got to get that under my belt soon. You got Gloria Graham, and I love Gloria Graham. Now, I'm in love, as in love with a movie star from the 50s, 40s, and 50s, who's, I think, passed away now, as I can be. But I really love Gloria Graham. Now, she's in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. She plays, uh, oh, God, I can't remember her name, but she's the character in the town who's supposed to be kind of the flirty lady that's not really marriage material. But I got to be honest with you, I still love her and I would still marry her. So anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was in that movie. Yep, sure. Yeah. But anyway, so she's amazing. Then there's Frank Lovejoy, who plays a character by the name of Brub Nikolai. Brub. (laughs) It's possible that's a typo. But Brub? I'm pretty sure Brub Nikolai is correct. I hope so. Yeah. He's in a movie called I Was a Communist for the FBI. Wow. Sounds like fun. Here's an interesting one. There's a character, again, possibly a typo, but not on my part. <laughs> Jeff Jeff Donnell. Jeff Donnell. You want to know who he plays? Please. He doesn't play anyone because apparently that's a woman. No, 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 no. Jeff Donnell plays Sylvia Nikolai. I see it. I see what you're looking at right now. There's a picture of a woman. 
and Jeff it's J E F F, which is there's no getting yeah. around. Uh, no. Okay, you continue. I'm gonna also look into this while you're talking. Yeah, I I am super interested to know what's going on there. I'm wondering, is this an actor who since transitioned? Would they change a credit? I'm I'm reading. You'll take care of that part. Okay, you're right. I got a quick update. I got a quick update on that. Okay. She was born Jean Marie Donnell, although okay. she was born in a boys' reformatory in Maine. So probably, Whoa. Jesus Christ, I'm blanking on the Tobey Maguire, Michael Caine movie, John C- Cider House Rules. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah. according to IMDb, during her upbringing, she fixated on the popular Mutt and Jeff cartoon strip and gave herself the nickname Jeff. There you go. So she's a lady who has a nickname Jeff. There, yes, this is ho- that's pretty cool. Hollywood baby, yeah. 1950, and my name, actress Jeff Donald. <laughs> yep, I love it. I, I love everything about that. Okay, and then we've got we've got James Arness, who is uncredited, but appears in the movie as a young detective. Now James Arness, you might remember, as uh, I believe he played Matt Dillon, which is kind of interesting character name oh okay uh, i was like you, what you know when you think about the fact that yeah <laughs> we already have a matt Dillon, but he was in uh he was a lead character in the tv show gunsmoke mm. and he was also the thing in the thing from another world back then but yeah so he's uncredited in this and there were a number of people who were uncredited it was like a, a fairly sizable part of the cast was uncredited and i'm just really okay kind of surprised that that was happening but uh i couldn't figure out why Sean, maybe you can shed some light on that oh, Jesus. Uh, when you talk about what's happening behind the scenes. Well, first of all, did you notice that there's a woman named Martha Stewart in the credits uh, as well? I did. <laughs> and I didn't include her because I couldn't figure out exactly who she was, but yes. Well, she's not the Martha Stewart that not we at all. all know and love. Okay. But maybe Martha Stewart got her name from her. Uh, let's assume so. At least she didn't okay. call herself Jeff, okay? Um, That's true. So, yeah. In the Lonely Place was based on a novel by Dorothy B. Hughes. So we can check that box off. And Burnett Guffrey, folks, is a man. So Mr. Jeff is a woman. Yes. Burnett, Mr. Guffey, he won uh, two Academy Awards, not only for Bonnie and Clyde, but also from here to eternity. So Ooh. I'm glad we settled this, you know. Yeah, thank goodness. Okay, I got some good, some good dirt on this movie. Craig, oh, yeah. we're right. going to get to it slowly. So, yes, you mentioned Edmund North. He adapted the story. He stuck close to the novel. And John Derrick was the actor originally considered for Bogart's role. And that's not a name I know very well, although he was in the movie All the King's Men. But perhaps most notably, Bo Derrick was his fourth wife. So, there you go. And in the novel, the Dixon Still character was much younger. But what I have is that North did the treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why he got adaptation credit, but that that treatment was not really used. And Andrew Salt came aboard, wrote the script, had regular input from the producer and Nicholas Ray. And the end result is very different from the novel. I saw a lot of specifics about this, but they included spoilers, and I didn't read them yet because I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> A lot of it had to do with the ending of the movie, so maybe we'll revisit Uh, this next week. Louise Brooks, who wrote an essay called Humphrey and Bogey, said that this character, Dixon Steele, 
was the character Bogart played that most resembled the person that she knew, the actor himself. Quote, before inertia set in, he played one fascinatingly complex character craftily directed by Nicholas Ray in a film whose title perfectly defined Humphrey's own isolation among people in a lonely place gave him a role that he could play with complexity because the character's pride in his art, his selfishness, his drunkenness, his lack of energy stabbed with lightning strokes of violence were shared equally by the real Bogart. So let that soak in while you're watching the movie and get sad. Yeah. You know, never meet your heroes is what they say, right? Yeah. Lauren Bacall, Bogart's wife, and Mm. Ginger Rogers were both considered for the role of Laurel Gray. Bogart naturally wanted Bacall to play it. Uh, Warner Brothers disagreed and uh, said, nope, you can't have her. She's under contract with us. Ginger Rogers was reportedly the producer's first choice, but Nicholas Ray convinced them that his own wife, Craig, Gloria Graham, the woman you love, would be the right choice for the role. I hope he treated her right. Oh, we're going to have some fun, fun stories here about the two of them in a second. Oh, no. Although the movie kind of is known as this great Bogart performance, it seems the dirt on the set was all about Nicholas Ray and his wife, Gloria Graham. So get a load of this, Craig. Okay. And I'm so glad you said that you love her and want to marry her, because this is going to be fun, and I was biting my tongue. (laughs) Yeah, they were married at the time of the shoot. Their marriage lasted four years, right? And it was starting to come apart during filming. I think they had been married two years at this point. Gloria Graham was forced to sign a contract stipulating that, quote, my husband shall be entitled to direct, control, advise, instruct, and even command my actions during the hours from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day except Sunday. I acknowledge that in every conceivable situation, his will and judgment shall be considered superior to mine and shall prevail, end quote. Oh. Graham was also forbidden to, quote, nag, conjole, tease or in any other feminine fashion seek to distract or influence him that sounds just that's just a healthy marriage (laughs) not so much they actually separated during the filming of this movie but they were afraid that if word got out one of them would get fired and so nicholas ray took to sleeping in a dressing room on the lots saying uh that he just was staying late to work on the script And Graham played along with this charade, and nobody found out until after the movie had been shot. And uh, that's where it gets real crazy, my friend. Oh, no. I thought that was going to be it. Nope. Okay. They had a brief reconciliation and then got divorced in 1952 when Nicholas Ray found Gloria Graham in bed with his 17-year-old son. Gloria. Not her son, his son. But nonetheless, let's dig into this, shall we? Okay, Wikipedia says, According to Nicholas Ray, Gloria and Anthony Ray's relationship began when Tony, little Tony, was just 13 years old. However, Graham's former partner and biographer Peter Turner has disputed this, saying that the story of Tony being underage when Graham began her sexual relationship with him is, quote, fiction. But, Craig... 
Oh, no. Graham and little Tony reconnected in 1958 after she had divorced Tony's father, Nicholas Ray, and they got married in Tijuana, Mexico in May 1960. They went on to have two children. News of the marriage was kept private until 1962 when it was written about in the tabloids and the ensuing scandal damaged her reputation and career, as you might imagine. Oh, my Lord. After learning of her marriage to Anthony Ray, who was, yes, her one-time stepson, Graham's third husband, Cy Howard, attempted to gain sole custody of the couple's daughter, Mariana. Howard claimed that Graham was an unfit mother, and the two fought over custody for years. The stress of that scandal, her career waning, and her custody battle with Howard took its toll on Graham, and she had a nervous breakdown. She later underwent electroshock therapy, and during the scandal, her marriage to Anthony Ray, while uh, it didn't last, they got divorced in 1974. It was the only one of her four marriages that lasted more than four years. They actually made it 14 years. So, do you still love Gloria Graham now that you know that she was the precursor to Woody Allen? Well, here's the thing, and this is kind of the uh, maybe the benefit of everyone involved no longer being alive. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of still love her. I mean, uh, <laughs> did you know? I yeah. didn't know any of this. I didn't even no. know her name. I didn't recognize her. I mean, I've seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life, but it's been a while. But I yeah. knew none of this. Well, see, that's the thing. My feeling was, yeah, so she had that great part in It's a Wonderful Life, but I hadn't really seen her in other stuff. And I, yeah, I, I didn't like, I, I wasn't like looking her up and stuff. I'm not, I'm not creepy. I'm not. <laughs> stalking her for god's you sake look her up on facebook yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but so my feeling i was always just like wow she's like really incredible and i just don't feel like i've ever seen her in another thing although i have seen bad and the beautiful but i don't remember it being her i have seen that too now that you mention it yeah so yes i i'm sorry uh, my apologies to nicholas ray and his son and anyone else who'd be offended but i still pretty much love gloria graham you know, you can debate the morality of it all, but they were married yeah. for 14 years. There must have been some love there. It's it's still yeah. weird. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's certainly weird, but I, uh, well, I don't care. You're just not going to think about it. I, I'm, I'm going to put it right out of my mind. <laughs> Good. Okay, we're yeah. going to do the same and try to move on. Uh, in a Lonely Place came out. It premiered in New York City on May 17th, 1950, and was in theaters elsewhere in the U.S. in August. Uh, Craig, this movie was also known at various points in uh, its working title stages as Behind the Mask and Late at Night, which is kind of a bland title, but one I kind of like, Late at Night. Yeah. That, I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know. It doesn't tell you what kind of movie it is, but I like it. No. In Chile, it was known as La Muerto en un Beso. Oh, man, that's really good. Thank you. Death and a Kiss. Yeah. And mm -hmm. in Norway, Nakne Nerver, which means Naked Nerves, which is also kind of a cool oh, noir title. Yeah, It actually sounds more like a sort of a Dario Argento type movie than the Naked Nerves. Naked Nerves, yep. Yeah. Uh, Taglines, not the greatest, although maybe this is like interesting marketing here. The Bogart mm -hmm. suspense picture with the surprise finish. It's just like telling people, well, you got to make it to the end here, you know? Yeah. Look deep into these eyes. Is it love, hate, or murder? They're the eyes of Humphrey Bogart in a lonely place. Uh, wow, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. 
So the movie came out, and according to Wikipedia, the reviews were generally positive, especially regarding the performances. There were some questions about the markability of this movie, given the bleak ending, which I guess we will find out about, that they were teasing there in the tagline. Good old Bosley Crowther at the New York Times said, Everybody should be happy this morning, which I love. (laughs) Humphrey Bogart is in top form in his latest independently made production in A Lonely Place, and the picture itself is a superior cut of melodrama. I like it. Nice. Obviously, this movie has gone on to good critical acclaim. Time Magazine named it as one of the 100 best movies of all time in 2005, despite the fact that they gave it a negative review when it was released, which is always fun. It was added to the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2007. It made Roger Ebert's list of great movies in 2009. A little snippet from his review says, In a Lonely Place has been described by the critic Kim Morgan as one of the most heartbreaking love stories ever committed to film. And love is indeed what it's really about. It has a look, feel, and trappings of a film noir, and a murder takes place in it. But it is really about the dark places in a man's soul and a woman who thinks she can heal them and then marry his stepson. I just I added that last little bit there just for you. That's pretty good. No, I appreciate that. Curtis Hansen, who was said to have shown this to uh, Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce prior to making L.A. Confidential, said, quote, I wanted them to see the reality of that period and to see that emotion. This movie, and I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever made, but it represents many things that I think are worth aspiring to, such as having character and emotion be the driving force rather than the plot, which is interesting because L.A. Confidential is a very plotty movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, 1950, this movie made $1,375,000 at the box office. I'm not sure of the budget, and I'm not sure where that placed on the year. It's hard to find that info. But the top 10 for 1950, King Solomon's Mines, All About Eve, Cinderella, Annie Get Your Gun, Father of the Bride, Sunset Boulevard, Born Yesterday, Wabash Avenue, At War with the Army, which is a title I love, and that's also a Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin movie. My Blue Heaven, rounding out number 10. And that made $3 million. So if In a Lonely Place made 1.3, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably a good bit further down mm-hmm. the list. Other notable 1950 movies The Asphalt Jungle, Bitter Rice, The Black Rose, The Breaking Point, Les Enfants Terribles, The Furies, The Glass Menagerie. There was a movie called Gerald McBoing Boing, which... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've all seen that. Well, I, I resisted the temptation to look into it because I want to do it sometime and just be completely uh, overwhelmed and go down the rabbit Fair hole. Enough. Harvey, the Jackie Robinson story, Julius Caesar, starring Charlton Heston, Rashomon, Rio Grande, Treasure Island, and The Third Man was a very successful movie that year, although it came out Indeed. in 49 in the U.K., Top 10 stars of 1950. You want to guess who was number one, Craig? Uh, who would be the top star of 1950? You want me to give you a hint? I would. We're going to talk about him in our next movie. Then in that case, well, it's tough. I'll guess Jimmy Stewart. Wrong. John Wayne. Yeah. John freaking Wayne. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Stewart's on the list. John Wayne, Bob Hope, Bean Crosby, Betty Grable, Jimmy Stewart. Abbott Costello, Clifton Webb, Esther Williams, Spencer Tracy, Randolph Scott. Heavyweights, man, heavyweights. Definitely. Oscars for that year. Best picture. I said it in the top ten movies. Do you want to guess? Clearly it was uh, Harvey. It was not. It was... 
Uh, go ahead. The number two movie of the year, All About Eve, which set a record, by the way, with 14 nominations, which was one more than Gone with the Wind got. Also, the only film to date to receive four nominations in the Best Actress Supporting Actress categories, meaning they had two in each, which is pretty oh, damn wow. impressive. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it is. Uh, it also won Best Director for Joseph Mankiewicz. Best Actor was Jose Ferrer for Cyrano de Bergerac. Best Actress was Judy Holliday from Born Yesterday. Best Supporting was George Saunders. Sanders. Not George Saunders, the author. George Sanders yeah. from All About Eve and Josephine Hull from, yes, Harvey. Uh, All About Eve and Sunset Boulevard shared the screenwriting and adapting awards. No nominations for In a Lonely Place, but, you know, it got a Criterion release and a lot of those movies didn't. Yeah. So there. Craig, that's all I have about this movie. I'm very, very excited to see it. It is available to watch and rent from a number of places and I think is still streaming on the Criterion channel. Man, I'm super psyched to finally check this out, especially now that you mentioned that this is the same director as Johnny Guitar because from the looks of it, it is strikingly different from that movie. Absolutely. I kind of feel like all of his movies are. I mean, Bigger Than Life doesn't look like either one of those to me either. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. He's a chameleon, that Nicholas Ray. Maybe that was part of the problem. She Maybe she couldn't find him. Craig, any uh, last words on your first episode back? I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm sort of reconsidering not caring about her sleeping with a 13-year-old. <laughs> That I'm, is I'm, hearsay and rumor and, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, it is. It is. But maybe we give ladies too much benefit of the doubt in those kind of situations. Maybe. Then, then we do. But you know what? That's, that's a little much to get into here at the end of the show. So I'm just going to say I'm I'm torn. I'm a little torn in case that helps anybody out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and otherwise, thank you for uh, welcoming me back with all of your applause. Uh, I heard it. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah, that's it. And uh, again, thank you very much to Brian Crane for, uh, for stepping in and, and, and kicking butt. Awesome. Well, come back next time, and we're going to get into this movie in full and go watch it so you'll know what we're talking about before we spoil it for you. Bye. <laughs>